Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Long Night with Vish Khanna was recorded on Saturday, December 12th, 2015. Coming to you live from the Great Hall in Toronto, Canada. It's Long Night with Vish Khanna. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Long Night. How you doing, everybody? I noticed that you wouldn't cheer unless the applause lady put up the sign. That's a bad sign. Are you guys seriously, legitimately, sincerely doing well? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, James Keast, how you doing? I'm well. It's Saturday. It's throwing me off. Why? We, oh, we usually do this on a Friday. Normally it's a Friday, yeah. It's like yeah. a weekend letterman. It's weird. Yeah, but it's good. It's good. I, I, and I want to thank the bicycles. Have a hand for the bicycles, everybody. You know, you mentioned uh, things making you feel weird, but... Uh, you know, it's the festive season. It is true. And you're, you, you kind of made fun of me because I was so excited about the festive season. Did, did someone say festive season? Uh-oh. Festive? What? Who? What is that? Yeah, I, who has a microphone? What's going on? Hello? Who, who is... Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mrs. Claus. Wow. Mrs. Claus. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. Oh, hi. Oh, oh, good, good handshake. Oh, yes. yes I'm very businesslike. Wow, what a surprise. Oh, yeah. Someone says festive season and glitter drops and I show up. <laughs> wow, that, that's amazing. Well, what are you doing here? Oh, well, I heard that every single person on the nice list would be at the Great Hall tonight, so I'm coming to scope out the good, the good ones. Oh, isn't that sweet, ladies and gentlemen? You're all nice. Yeah. Wow. What? Oh, what a... Wait, wait a second. That doesn't... What? 
What is going on here? She's a tool of consumerism. What? Who is she? She's a tool of consumerism. No, I heard you. I just don't know why you're saying that. Who, who are, what, who is this? this? Who are you? My name is Krampus. I'm Krampus. Crispus? No, Krampus. Let me tell you. Here, let me explain to you who I am. You're going to read your own Wikipedia entry? In Austro-Bavarian Alpine folklore, Krampus is a horned anthropomorphic figure who, during the Christmas season, punishes children who have misbehaved in contrast with St. Nicholas, your soon-to-be ex-husband, I'm sure. Oh, my God. That it's is, a bad marriage, most on, likely. Come on, hey. Now you sit down, sir. I you're can insulting stand if Mrs. I want Claus. To. I can't believe you're doing this. And if you're wondering why I'm not in my costume, you think the laziest son of a gun in Christmas history is going to get dressed until the very last minute? Yes, he will. December 24th, 1159. That's oh when I put the horns on. God, this until is... Until then... Sloppy preppy. Oh, hold on, let me get your jacket for you. Let me get it's it. I can look do how it. nice she is. She's helping Krampus. You're gonna give me opposite lesions. Oh, oh I. You're gonna heal my scabs. I don't want you to. So you're just like the evil. You're the anti Santa Claus. I like to consider myself more of like. A, you like can do a, it. Come on. Like a, you, you like describe a, yourself. Like you a parasite God. living in Santa Claus's butt. Oh, everyone needs parasites. You know, rhinos have birds on them that eat the parasites, so they stay healthy. You're, you're keeping us healthy. Uh, I'm more like if a bird pecked a hole inside of the rhino. Like and a woodpecker. I love the Wait a second. Okay, hang on. All right. Uh, you guys are clearly having some kind of like weird beard, argument. Though, it's Ms. good. It reminds Mrs. Claus, me have you heard about this cool Krampus Santa. before? Oh, yes. We know about the Krampus. Did you just say shofar? What? I love shofars. Those I didn't things say are great. that at all. No, I asked if she'd heard of you because I, I don't think a lot of people know Krampus. I, I do. I know the Krampus. We, we get a lot of people talking about the Krampus and worried that you're going to ruin everything, but I think everyone deserves to do their job, and you do your job well, so kudos, Krampus. What the... T- I can't believe how nice she is. You know what? I, I want a clearer picture of both of you because I, I think people need to know exactly what you stand for, and I don't know. Do you keep Can a I naughty or... Can point? What? Yeah, go point? ahead. It just occurred to me. If you go swimming... Like a half hour after eating, uh-huh. and one hour you get Krampus. Oh, well done, Krampus. <laughs> well done, Krampus. All right. I don't take compliments. No, oh, you're gonna get more of them. You're oh so my cute. God! Listen, do, hey, Krampus, do you keep a naughty or nice list the way Mrs. Claus and Santa do? I keep a should be naughtier list. Oh. People just should be naughtier. Okay, all right. Listen, I want to, because it's the end of the year, I thought we'd look at some of the, oh, God, just stop glaring at Mrs. Claus. She's a kindly old woman. No offense about the old thing. This is my resting face. That's your resting, okay. This is mine. Resting Krampus face. I hadn't heard of that. Look at that. Opposite of me. Okay, listen, I thought we'd look through some of the, you know, the newsmakers of the year. Sure. And maybe just uh, let me know what each of you think of them. I thought your perspectives might be interesting. So why don't we start with, uh, what about Donald Trump? Uh, Mrs. Claus, what do you think oh, of Donald Trump? Donald Trump is doing his best. He's doing his best, and I bet someone out there is very proud of him. But I think he's stealing my hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, I think you, yeah. Might, you, you might be right. Krampus, what do you think of Donald Trump? Should be naughtier. Should be naughtier. Donald Trump should be naughtier? Yeah, yeah. He so just, you see the good in him? No, I think he's not bad enough, you know? Like, I think he's really got a 
somehow it's very hard. He's very close to the top level of yeah, worst. That's what I. But there's a couple of extra things he needs to do to be the to be as naughty as possible. One of them is he hasn't made a a kid rock song his official anthem for his campaign yet. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. I think if he does that, that'll push him into totally naughty. Okay. Uh, what? Here's another one. Let's start with Krampus on this one. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Ooh, the Canada Daddy. Could be naughtier. Could be naughtier. Why could he be naughtier? Uh, well, he could have not let all those people in. That would be so naughty. Right. If he did that, he he could. I do like that he's probably not going to change Bill C51 at all. I do like that. <laughs> I like that he's going to keep the Senate basically in place. Uh, what else? I like that he was so smug about having women and is uh, that having picked women yeah. in positions that aren't that powerful actually. In right. This okay. Cabinet. I, I thought that was pretty naughty. Okay. So he could be naughty. It could be could be even naughtier yeah, than that. What about, Mrs. Claus? What do you make of uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau? Oh, I like him. He takes a good photograph. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I have a picture of. of of, of little baby Justin on, on the fridge in, in Santa's workshop. When I go to make cookies, I, I look at the picture of him and go, there's the can of daddy, yes. <laughs> and then I make gingerbread men in the shape of, in the shape of him because I think, he's, I think he's great. I really do. Okay. I, I like him. I like, I like all the, the photos of him and uh, hugging people. And, and there's no, there's, you know what I don't miss? You think I would like it, but I, I don't yeah. miss the sweater vests and the kittens. I think, I think he takes a, the picture the way he wants to and represents right. him. He's a, he's a good-looking rebel. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, God. Why don't you right. just marry him? Why don't you just marry him? All right. Now, Mrs. Claus, this might be a bit obscure for you. I don't know how much you are, uh, you know, how up on the trends you are. What about the singer-songwriter Courtney Barnett? She was in the news a lot. Oh, yeah. She won a bunch of awards, didn't she? I don't know. I think she did. I'd give her one. I'd give her an award for, for being great and adorable. She's at the top of the nice list. Could be, could be, could be at the top, not could be not. What about, what about you, Krampus? She's, who is she? She's, she's a singer-songwriter. What is she in the news for? She, uh, let's just move on. See, this is why you don't know, because she's great. She's could lovely. be naughtier. She put out the... Uh, could be naughtier. I'm going to go I, out on a limb and okay. say could how, be naughtier. How about this? For my money, maybe put out the record of the year. Has she written any murder ballads? What is a murder ballad? Does she's it... not writing murder ballads. It's not going on my playlist. All right, me, all right, all right. I'm on the elliptical at the lowest setting. <laughs> Campus. Pharmaceutical executive Martin Shkreli. You know this guy? This is the guy who drove up the price of the AIDS drug and then bought a Wu-Tang Clan album. Weird right. sentence. Yeah. yeah. Can you uh, think about him for a second? What do you make of that guy? Could not be naughtier. Okay. The so, naughtiest. So the, what? The emo thing is what really pushes him. Yeah, into he's got the, the bangs. He has and like the, a yeah. back Sunday forehead tattoo. That's pretty popular. Oh, okay, let, all right, we got it. Uh, Mrs. Claus? Well, it's a tricky one to answer because I, I think, I'd like, I wish I knew him when he was a child because then I feel like I could comment on, on, on him, you know, like being nice and, and lovely, but I, I, I don't like him. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. But, but I, bet, I bet he could make a good cup of hot cocoa. I bet if he could do one thing, then it would be that. Isn't a cup of hot cocoa like you just boil some water and put powder in? Oh, no, there's so much more to it. You need hot okay, milk. Okay, guys, I don't want to start a cooking segment right now. we got to move on. I just want one more thing. Sure. One more thing. Why don't we, maybe I'll, either one of you, uh, Joey Bautista of the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh. He did the bat flip, and then they lost. They, they lost. 
you know, that's okay, because there's, there's spirit there. If you're going to throw a baseball bat that far, you're a winner inside. You know, sure. you, you got arms that are winners, you got eyes that are winners, you're, you're seeing your goals and you're throwing your bat towards it. Good, very good. That's what I expected. Krampus? Could be naughtier. Could, that seems to be your I stand. do respect he wore a fake beard for an entire year. I think that's pretty <laughs> brave. That is why, you think that was like a fake, like a Drake beard or something? Yeah, I heard he just had this, uh, one of those roll-ons he would just, every morning, pull the beard on. And that, to you, seems naughty? That's, that's Krampus? That's well, what Krampus it's, likes? it's deceit, and I like that. Okay, all right. All right, listen, I Can think... Can I teach you a move? This is called the Krampus Claw. Oh, Say okay. it to make a point. Could be naughtier. Okay. Krampus Claw. Now, I'm going to teach you one. Okay. I care about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, okay. it's not a language I understand. None of those words made sense. All right. Look, I, I think oh. maybe one a true test of each of your characters would be to assess one another. So why don't we start with Krampus? Krampus, you've been on here a little while now, and I think you made some of us a little uncomfortable. What do you make of Mrs. Claus? Oh, here we go. Is it my body language that made you uncomfortable? It's with the Krampus telling the, you I'm not... Comfortable with the, the wardrobe, the, the general lack of care for coming on a big talk show. Yeah, this. The fact I haven't faced the person next to me since essentially this, sitting next this to This is them. James Keyes. To me, they're just a knee. By the to way, me, Mrs. Mrs. Claus, I feel like James might be your type. Oh, I'm avoiding eye contact. Because okay, yeah. <laughs> well, when I came onto this quote stage, unquote, I. Uh, Deserve I that. had one intention, and that was to embarrass you for being a Jew for Jesus, for uh, your overall too good, sweet as pie mentality. I didn't like it, but after hearing you be so kind about Donald Trump and Justin Trudeau in particular, you have changed my ways and my belief. And oh, I, wow. I'd like to become a Christian. How about a hand for Krampus, everyone? He had a bit of a transformation. To I think you're wonderful. Come to Jesus moment. All right, well, uh, that was very sweet. Uh, uh, Mrs. Claus, how about you? What would you make of Krampus? I think Krampus knows that time is running out to get on the nice list. And I don't, I don't believe you for a second. You say you like to see it. I think you're lying to my face, Krampus. Whoa. I, th I think, Krampus, for once, I'm going to say something mean. You are the opposite of a smile. Whoa. You are, you are, you are a, a pie that has cooled for too long. You make me feel like I've never been hugged. Oh, man. Mrs. Claus. But I still care about you. Now I'm just confused. Welcome to Christmas. Mrs. Claus and Krampus, everybody. What a nice union that was. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back with Casey Messia. Stick around. The role of Mrs. Claus was played by Haley Kellett of The Making Box, and the role of Krampus was played by comedian Nick Flanagan. James Keese appeared as himself. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerottis, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them 
at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph, or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. All right, we're back on Long Night. Take your seats, everyone. Take your seats. How about that uh, Mrs. Claus and Krampus? Yeah, that was weird. I'm, I'm confused about something, though. Uh, what? <laughs> well... Mrs. Krampus, Mrs. Krampus, oops. Did they get married Mrs. on stage? What they happened? Might. There was some chemistry, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Claus described Krampus as a pie that has cooled too long. Mm-hmm. That's still just like a pie, right? Like, it's, it doesn't spoil. It's just, no. it's like, I still want that pie. Is it, is, it pos- was, is it possible you're overthinking that bit? I was I'm just really taken with the pie. Are you hungry? I might be. I think you're or just like, hungry. I want more pie okay. details. Was okay. it a blueberry pie? We once? can find out after okay, the show. We'll, yeah, we'll, okay. we'll check in on the pie. Okay, our, our first guest is uh, well known for her work as a singer and songwriter in the beloved Toronto band Obiju. And as the host of the CBC Radio 1 program, The Doc Project, please say hello to Casey Messia, everyone. Hi, Casey. How's it going? Good, Beach. How nice. are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm, I'm feeling festive and good, and it's nice to see so many nice people in the audience. I'm not just fishing for applause. It's just nice to be here. Yeah. How are you? I'm very good. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that I don't get to participate in a, a Christmas skit. Oh, well, uh, I didn't But think. that's okay. I was not, you're dis- no one's ever said that. Well, ever. It, it like that like sentence has never so been much, uttered by anyone. It looked like they were having so much fun. I, I think that I would rather pretend to be someone else than, than who I actually right. am. Right. You, are you bored? Of, I'm the same way. Are you just bored? You're just bored with yourself? Is that what you're saying? Well, I just think that there's an opportunity here for you and I to do a Christmas skit. Nah, okay. See, we, we, we tried to book Santa Claus, and it turns out that's a tough get at this time of year. So. But you're pretty close. Yeah, I know. And Don't then it turns out I wasn't uh, that into it. Okay. <laughs> I had two very heated phone conversations with this man. Fair enough. Demanding he be Santa Claus, and he, it was really ugly, actually. Okay. Fair enough. He okay. said he was too, uh, he's self-conscious because he's too white, he's too fat, he's too, got a beard. And I said, you know what, you're not that white. Um, yeah, it was a mean, it got ugly, see? Also not true. I'm pretty white. You are pretty white. Yeah, no, it's fine. Now, uh, Casey, let's focus in on you and not that ugliness that was uh, me calling James names. Uh, Let's start with your your show. I'm intrigued by it. What is the Doc Project? Uh, Well, the Doc Project is a half-hour radio show on CBC Radio 1, Uh and we show radio documentaries made in Canada about people living in Canada and around the world. So, yeah, that's, that's the show in, in short form. And uh, it's at 11.30 on Tuesdays when everyone is listening um, after Q. Oh, I see. That's yeah. actually a good slot. It is a pretty good slot. Right. Yeah. So what is an example of like a recent story that the Doc Project may have told, or a recent episode? Uh, well, this Tuesday we have a show about... Uh, a group of people that left Peterborough to move to a small town in Saskatchewan called Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, hang on a second. Whoa. Someone from Palmer in the audience? <laughs> Palmer, Saskatchewan, got a cheer. 
Okay. Where did that cheer emanate from? Oh, now they're climbing up. Are you from? Are you from Palmer? You're from Palmer. Are you from Palmer? You just cheer for geography? Okay. What? Pol Pot? I, I don't hear so well. Things are getting weird. <laughs> I thought that was odd myself. Uh, yeah, so a bunch of university students graduated from school and, and didn't know what to do with their lives, so they decided to go to rural Saskatchewan. That makes no sense. Makes Why sense. would they do that to themselves? No offense, I like Saskatchewan. You know, but the documentary is called, uh, but for me, it's Utopia. So. Oh, for you personally? No, that's what the documentary oh, I'm is sorry. called. Is it's it's called, for me, it's Utopia. Turning into an Abbott and Costello routine. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, and, and, and it just, who makes the documentary? Like, do you make the documentary? No, I don't make the documentaries. So I introduce and I interview the doc makers after the documentary is showed or listened to on the radio. Okay, so who can contribute a documentary to your show? You can pitch a documentary if you're a freelancer or if you've worked with the CBC before. Um, okay. So Vish, if you want to pitch. Me? I don't know if they like me there. Well, okay. It's awkward. Do you have a sympathy card under the applause card? I could pitch a documentary. Which do mm. No, 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 I'm kidding. They like me just fine. I still do some work there, actually. Yeah, yeah so they, they take documentaries from freelancers, and they have a really neat program called the CBC Doc Project Mentorship Program. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where if you work at the CBC, you can pitch to be mentored by a, a veteran documentary maker to make a documentary that will eventually be showed or listened to on the radio. So just to clarify, like... You say it's people who work for CBC or, or freelance currently? Yes. But so if anyone here wanted to pitch a doc, is there a way in to do that? You could, definitely. You know, it's about the story. So if you, if you have a compelling pitch, yeah. um, I'm sure it would be considered. Now, I am working on a story right now about a guy named Krampus. Right. He is really fascinating. Yes. And uh, I think, uh, think it would be a compelling story. Like, do you think they'd go for that, a Krampus story? Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Is there a tone to uh, the doc project? Is it mostly serious stuff? Can it be funny? It's all, uh, all across the board. We have stories or documentaries about Syrian, Syrian refugee experiences. We have a doc that was about uh, someone's first experience getting a Brazilian wax. So it's about the story. And wow. Yeah. It's a really good, it's a really good radio doc. Actually. It's a radio doc of someone getting a Brazil. That seems like it would be a visual. I guess you wouldn't really want to see no, that. No, like, it kind of it goes through the hesitation and, and the fear about getting a Brazilian. And, and it kind of, you know, arcs um, right before she gets it. And oh. oh, wow. Yes. Okay, well, this sounds like it's pretty open-ended. We could all, I mean, people who, it also sounds a little like people outside of the CBC can't do it, but maybe they can't. They can, yeah. And you're obviously profiling. You could do a documentary about someone who isn't involved. With you could do a documentary about anybody. Yes, absolutely. So, like, this person who cheered for Palmer, Saskatchewan, that's a documentary right there. I track them down, and I figure out why they cheered for Saskatchewan if in it's Toronto. If it's a compelling story, then, then yeah. there's space for it. And so your role as the host, you're not ch are you chasing stuff? Like, you're trying to get people to do it? No, I'm, I sit in a chair and don't chase anything. How did you get that gig? <laughs> it, it's a good so, gig if you can get it, I, know. I have to say. Oh. Just the sitting in a chair and other people doing the work, it's fantastic. You do it really well. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I was asked to read an audition for it, and uh, they asked me back, and that's how I got it. 
Okay, because mm -hmm. I, I mean, there's lots of things I miss about CBC working there. Uh, most of all, the money. I know, there's so, there's it was so good. much. Isn't it? It's pretty good. I liked it. I liked when they gave me lots of money. Well, to talk about like Obiju, for example. I was Remember we went for breakfast that one time? Yeah, we, had, we go way back. I made like $40,000 in that two and a half hours. It was amazing. So basically I've gone from being a musician to yeah. being a student to being on the radio. And they're all like, you know, carry with them their, their own sense of precarity. Yeah. Oh, do you, like, do you feel like, is the show doing well? Like, do people like the show? Yeah, people like the show for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think you're well suited for this. It's great. Oh, I'm thanks. glad you're doing it. Now, Thank you. you, your band Obiju stopped playing together. And I don't exactly know. When did this stop? It was two years ago? I have no idea. Okay. Two or three years ago. Two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. And this was a band that seemed to be doing well. Why did the band stop? We played for eight years together and, uh, you know, it ran its course. And, and we all had different desires in life and, and those desires weren't met by playing in a six-piece orchestral pop band in Canada. So uh, we did different things. But are you, are you on indefinite hiatus? We are uh, definitely broken up, but we tease at, at, at getting back together every now and then just for fun, but it's nothing serious. For whose fun? For, for ours fun. Your own fun. <laughs> yes. Your own fun. So your fans are like, oh my God, and you're like, <laughs> The fan is like. The one fan. The one fan is like, please play a show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, do you miss the band? I do. I definitely do. People and must ask you all the time what's going on with the band. Yeah, they do, and, and I really you know, like my band members and, and had a really good relationship with them, I think. So, uh, you know, we hang out all the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, you have a solo record out, uh, or coming out, called Psychic Materials. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, how, how solo was it? Like, was, were you, is it totally you, or did you collaborate with people? Uh, it's, I wrote it on my own and recorded a lot of it um, on my own and then reached out to friends to play instruments that I couldn't play. So that's coming out uh, in January. In January, oh, it's that's very soon. soon, yeah. What's the actual date? Uh, Mid-January, I have a release show in, on February 4th at the Art Gallery of Ontario. Oh wow, that's mm -hmm. amazing. Congratulations mm -hmm. on that. Is there a label or something? No, it's all, it's all me. It's independent, all, you know, designed and written by, it's outside of any experience I've had before in the music industry and, and that was really important for me. Because you were doing it by yourself? Yeah, it's all by myself. And, and, and uh, for fans of Obiju, mm -hmm. how much of a departure will this seem like for them? Um, it's quite different or? I hope it'll feel like a, a departure. There's strings in it, but. <laughs> There's strings in it. It'll, it's a departure. Okay, for sure. excellent. Yes. Well, we look forward to hearing yes. it. Now, before I let you go, there is a, a photograph upstairs. There's an exhibit oh, yeah. yes. upstairs in the hallway on the way to the conversation room. Did anyone see this? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. So what it says is Asian woman in your scene identification card. And you're on here. Yes. Along with uh, five other Asian women. And the, the tagline at the bottom is carry with you at all times to avoid making lazy mistakes. Tell me about this thing. It's very intriguing. Well, it was a project um, initiated by April and, and a bunch of other people. April from Hooded Fang. From and Hooded Fang, yes. 
And it, it's just a comment on how Asian bodies sort of get conflated with one another. So I've been mistaken for Kristen Wong Tam, um, and, which is not the case. Uh, and so it's just a comment on how uh, we easily slip into um, stereotypes of, of Asian-ness and, and ideas that we're all the same. I, I get this too. You do? It's happened to me, yeah. Who do you get mistaken for? Gandhi. <laughs> People are like, are you, can you stand beside this loom for a second? Are you Gandhi? Are you Gandhi? Right. I get uh, Samir Khan from Sorry. the band Tusks and Kepler. Yeah. Yeah, I get Samir Khan all the time. Right. You, that's a, Samir's a good looking guy. That's, I know, he should be really offended by this comparison. <laughs> uh, I got brown George Clooney once. That was me introducing the show. That's right. Yeah, I get stuff too. I don't mean to make light of this, but it happens to us. And uh, there's a tension in the city. You also, did you participate in this? Uh, were you one of the participants in this uh, uh, discussion about music and race in Toronto? Uh, the one that April had? Or no, you were in the audience. I, someone said you were there, but not. I, I, I listened to it, yes. You listened? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. I wasn't a part of it. What do you, what do you think is happening in the city? People are seeming, seemingly, people, like this exhibit is amazing. And people are finally starting to speak up. And I'm just wondering what you think is going on that people are feeling uh, empowered to do that. Uh, I think that there has been a mounting frustration about um, talk, topics of race, gender, and, and um, inequity in, in music. And uh, they're sort of surfacing in really interesting ways right now. Um, in this scene in particular, it's you know, perpetuated by the Viet Cong situation. But conversations have always been happening about um, um, race and gender and, and how we can make things more nuanced and, and, and representative of, of, of the array of people that participate in, in music in this city. No, it's, it's an amazing thing that's happening and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad it is. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and this, that, to me, that sounds like it could be a good candidate for a doc on CBC Doc, the doc project, don't you yeah. think? Yeah, Samir, I think you're really onto oh, something. Oh, God. <laughs> it's pronounced Mohandas. <laughs> yeah. You can follow Casey Messia on Twitter, at Casey Messia, and you can follow her show's Twitter, at CBC Doc Project. Casey Messia, everybody, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, sir. We need to take a commercial. We'll be back. Oh, please sit, Casey. We'll be with you in just a sec. We need to take a commercial. We'll be back uh, with more Long Night in a Moment. Stick around, everybody. The 14th Annual State of the Mall Benefit Concert is taking place at the E-Bar in Guelph on Saturday, December 19th. This year's edition features a reunion show by Evan Gordon and the Sad Clowns, and a normal show by Blimp Rock, plus the improv comedy stylings of The Making Box and stand-up comedy by Nick Flanagan. All proceeds benefit the Canadian Cancer Society towards leukemia research in memory of Sharon Marshall. Tickets are only available at the door and are $8 with a non-perishable food donation for the Guelph Food Bank, and $10 without. The show starts at 10 p.m. and is all ages, but the E-Bar, located at 41 Quebec Street, is not a wheelchair-accessible venue. For more info, please visit vishkana.com or bookshelf.ca. Otherwise, stay out of the mall on Saturday, December 19th.
we're back really quickly. That was a quick break. Thank you. Thanks for being here. You know, 2015 is almost over, and yet some of us are still processing what it all meant. And it's time now for us to try and make sense of it all in a segment that we like to call Linda's Take. Oh, yeah. There you go. Nice. <laughs> Please welcome our very own applause lady, Linda. <laughs> Linda the applause lady. Hi, Linda. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, I feel like people aren't applauding hard enough, and I feel like you're going to blame me for it later. So, guys, please, like, bring the heat, please. Uh, uh, okay, on the one hand, you make me sound like a monster because people aren't clapping. Okay. I'm sorry. Am I too hard on you with your applause, lady? No. Applause no, you're not. You're just hard enough. Now, uh, I've heard that before. Let me... Um, <laughs> What do you want to talk about, Linda? This is your segment, Linda's Take. We really like it. What, what do you want to talk about? Okay, well, uh, you asked me to talk about some cool, hot things that happened in 2015. Yeah. So being, like, the hot young millennial I am, I texted my buddy and I asked her, like, what happened in 2015? Because I have no sense of time. Um, so I have, like, a cool list. We can just run through it. Okay, sure. All right? Go ahead. Yeah. So here's 2015. And this is your life, ladies and gentlemen. All right? In memoriam? Uh, well, hopefully not. Okay, sorry. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, you know that show, This Is Your Life, where like... No, I know. I got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I don't I'm, know. I'm young and hip, too. Yeah, we're all young and cool. Yeah. Uh, this Is Your Life is like only like a 60-year-old show, so like we all <laughs> totally know about it. No worries. All right. So this is a list that I was given. I didn't write this. You're Kylie Jenner... I don't think you're supposed to admit that. Oh, it's your, sorry. It's Linda's take, not Linda's <laughs> friend's take when she texted her friend. It's your take. Linda's friend's take. On texting. Do we have theme music for that? No. Okay, we'll go yeah. with the original. Okay. Don't worry about it. Okay. Kylie Jenner's lips. Uber and taxi wars. What? Wait a minute. Are you just going to list stuff? Yeah, and then we'll like chat about our favorite things. Randomly? Okay, fine. Sorry. Overalls came back in style. That guy likes it. Free the nipple. Or don't. What's your take? Don't worry about it. Drones. Are we afraid of them? I'm not. Back to the future, it's already here. Google Cardboard, I'm into it. Wait, 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 Google Cardboard? Have you not, oh my God, have you not heard of Google Cardboard? No, what is that? Okay, Google Cardboard uh, is, it's like literally cardboard that you fold up into a like head-mounted device that you use for virtual reality. And oh, I have heard it. Oh, I didn't know it was called Google Cardboard. Oh, okay. Well, like that's like the, the trade name for it. And then you just pop your cell phone in it, and it's virtual reality. The best thing is uh, there's, okay, this is the laziest thing ever, but it's called, a, like, it's like a Netflix app, but it's for virtual reality, and you're in a living room, but you strap your phone to your face like that, and uh -huh. you're, you're watching a big TV instead of your fucking phone strapped to your face. It's awesome. I think we might have a small child in the audience. I'm sorry about oh. the F-bomb. Anyway, go sorry. ahead. Sorry. It's fine, it's fine. That's oh. what Linda's take is all live about. Live TV, am I right, ladies? Yeah, it's live TV, yeah, yeah. Think about Apologize it. Apologize to our sponsors. What else do you got? Uh, the Dead Raccoon, rest in peace. Well, you know what? I gotta say, you know, there's so much stuff that comes up and you try to keep up with it. I gotta admit, I know everyone in this city was talking about a dead raccoon. I didn't even look at it. I just didn't, what is it? What happened with the raccoon? You know, I think it was just a dead raccoon, but then I saw another dead raccoon in my hometown, and it made me sad because he was smiling. 
which was unfortunate. He was like, and I was like, that guy did die doing what he loved. You know so what I mean? So wait, wait a minute. Why? There just was a rash of dead raccoons uh, across the country? I don't well, understand. Well, two isn't really a rash, is it? Well, you mentioned that one. Okay, but why are people documenting f dead raccoons? I don't get it. Because it makes you sad. Okay, I guess They're we need like that. They're like cats. They are like cats. Right? That's true. Okay. Anything? It's kind of a bummer. Is there anything? Oh, okay. Yeah. This mm -hmm. is like a personal thing. Yeah. But okay. So uh, my late grandfather, rest in peace, he used to try to uh, catch uh, squirrels in the in the backyard. And so me and my father were bringing, were freeing a squirrel. We're like, we didn't kill them. We didn't kill them. But he was freeing a squirrel from the backyard, and uh, the squirrel was crying, and it made a sound I'm never gonna forget, but can't imitate, and it was really sad. But squirrels can cry, you guys. So they have feelings. It was like. All right, thanks for sharing, Linda. Maybe to wrap this up. Okay, no, okay, no, no, wait, no. wait, wait, there's more. Oh God. More things happened in 2015. Yeah, okay, but... that lady who brought a baby to the Jays game and then we all had to pour our beers? Excuse you, why are you so rich you're bringing a baby to the 100s level? Yeah. What? Oh, wait, are you angry at the baby or the mom at this at this point? I can't tell. A hundred percent, both of them. Well, okay, I know that you guys think it's a six. You can't be job. mad at a baby. The baby can't do anything. Okay, you're a father, but trust me, you can be mad at a baby if you don't have kids. Um, okay, can we just? Yeah, I, the audience is clearly on your side on that so one. They're so on my side right now. Okay, listen, Cecil the lion, uh -huh, popping Molly. Okay, all right, yeah, Ronda yeah. Rousey getting kicked in the neck. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Y'all remember it. Lena Dunham whining. I don't know if that refers to her whining. Are you guys following this up there? Do you know Everyone's what's going on? Everyone's into it. Okay, that's all I have, really. Oh, that's really? 2015 in review. Very good. Oh, yeah, and Jared from Subway is a pedophile. All right, that's 2015. A... Linda's take, everybody. Oh, wait. Yeah. You told me to bring something I wanted to promote, and I brought this. Stop the Insanity, Foundations of Wellness, Susan Powder. You can pick it's... this up. Where? Where can people pick this up? I bought it at a Valley Village three years ago, so try that. Okay, great. 2016. What are you looking forward to? Uh, more virtual reality things. <laughs> okay. I'm going to buy a... They have this, uh, this head-mounted device that looks like a Viewmaster, and I'm going to buy it. Nice. That's my whole plan for 2016. Great. That yeah. sounds good. It'll I'm going to get good, fit. Happy New Year. Thank you. You yeah. too. Uh, when we return, Toronto music writer and DJ Denise Benson will be here. Please stick around for that. Thank you. Fourth 
The season of long winter continues with Volume 3 at the Great Hall in Toronto on Saturday, January 16th, 2016. This edition features music by Valens, Loom, Mystic Triangle, Nicole Dollinganger, Michelle McAdory, Indoor Voices, Juge, Stuka, Pantanio, Cora, Strands, Kiwi Jr., Young Bambi, The Seams, Bossy, and Overnight. And art performance, installation, and dance by the likes of Zoo Owl, Brett Zadravets, Tiffany Schofield, and Dorica Manuel, Marbella and Carlos, Lisa Cristinzo, Sarah Friend and Farley, Vetch, Ben Camino, Jason Dole, Damian Lebedeski, Paloma Dawkins, and Spencer Butt. Down in the black box, attend a 9 p.m. taping of an episode of the talk show, Long Night with Vish Khanna, with special guests Tom Power from CBC Radio, musician Michelle McAdory, the new supergroup Tunes, and comedy by Deadpan PowerPoint. Plus, the Long Winter Arcade, curated by the Hand Eye Society. Long Winter Year 4, Volume 3 is all ages and pay what you can at the door, with $10 advance tickets available online. The Great Hall is not a wheelchair accessible venue, located at 1087 Queen Street West. Come out Saturday, January 16th at 7 p.m. and visit torontolongwinter.com for more details. back on long night thank you very much for being here sticking around hello to everybody in the rafters how's everything going up there good nice to see you all have you guys ever been to a a live talk show taping before what do you think good nice it's nice it's a nice crowd tonight yeah nice festive crowd Uh, Our next guest is an award-winning club DJ in Toronto and and an esteemed music writer who many consider a walking encyclopedia when it comes to this city's dance and electronic music culture. Her new book is out now via 3 o'clock press, and it's called Then and Now, Toronto Nightlife History. It's right here. I have a copy of it right here. Please say hello to Denise Benson. Hi, Denise. Hi, Vish. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. Now, the, the, this story, the way this book, the way the book actually came to exist, is rather interesting in itself. Do you mind telling us uh, how this thing came to life? <laughs> it came to life uh, essentially over four years. So, uh, a project that that took a little bit of time. It uh, started as a web series for the Grid, and. Yeah. In a nutshell, it grew. <laughs> it, uh, the, the story started off, the idea initially was to write a uh, very brief, like 500-word kind of history about a club in the city, why it was important, um, what the building had looked like then, if you could get a photo or two, fantastic, and then a photo of what the building is now or what the building, you know, just to basically tracing the gentrification that way, what are the buildings now. So um, <laughs> the first one was about one of my favorite clubs of all time, Roxy Blue, and the response was so strong that, of course, the, uh, the response was, you missed this, you missed me, you, may, you missed my friends, you missed these DJs, you oh, missed these people would respond to be of like, course, oh, Of course, of course, because 500 words can never tell the history of any individual right. place, so uh, all of the stories grew. Now, was this, you obviously did a lot of research, you were probably a witness to some of these things yourself, 
but was a lot of it crowdsourced? Was a lot of it a lot of it stories from people writing to you, being like, "Yeah, here's here was my experience." Um, it's very much an oral history. I mean, this yeah. this book would not exist without the hundreds of people who contributed their stories, their artifacts, their memories, their contacts, their photos, their music, their DJ mixes, and so on. So very much a collaborative effort. Okay. Now, as a social history, what does the book tell us about Toronto that I think current residents in particular might be surprised about? You know, the, it's interesting. As somebody who's DJed in the city for, for a couple of decades plus, there always seemed to be this idea that it got more and more interesting here over time. And in some ways, that's absolutely true, particularly with production. Um, interesting <laughs> among the music communities, you mean? Yeah, but I think also just this notion that Toronto was this staid, boring, monolithic place in the 70s, um, and even before that, and that's completely untrue. In fact, the more I dug into stories and, and uh, researched places that I had very little knowledge of, the more interesting it became to me because the more I got to learn about the 70s and 80s in Toronto and how people were expressing themselves in clubs. Casey and James, I imagine that, I mean, James, is, you're the editor of Exclaim magazine. Um, I assume that you may have noticed a marked shift in how Canada was perceived. People seem to pay more attention to Toronto in particular after, what, broken social scene, these kinds of things were happening. It seemed to get more of an international spotlight. Is that fair from your perspective? Uh, you're, yeah, I think it's come in waves and, and different waves for different types of music at different times. But certainly, uh, I would say uh, around 2000, 2001 with Three Gut Records and Broken Social Scene, like certainly the indie rock side uh, got a lot of attention. But the Toronto, like the, the dance and electronic world, I certainly got a ton of attention in the late 90s. Um, you know, I didn't live in Toronto before 1995, so I don't know, but I mean, industry, and I remember, you know, international DJ magazines listing Toronto as one of the four or five hottest cities in the world. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the rave scene that was happening here, really, it did kick off in the, the early, you know, around 93-ish. Yeah. Um, and then it, it grew right through the 90s and into the 2000s. It was one of the biggest rave scenes uh, in the world, certainly when, when you looked at drum and bass and other sounds. I mean, there were periods of time in this city where you had two, three, four, five parties every weekend of 10,000 plus people right. and, and showcasing a lot of local talent as part of that. So definitely whether you're talking indie rock or hip hop, electronic music and so on, you know, I think the interest that exists in Toronto or exists about Toronto um, in different scenes has kind of culminated in people here being able to be increasingly proud of our city, um, which is fantastic. And so, you know, things that um, a book like this is nostalgic in some ways, but it's also bringing people a history that they may not have known and actually makes the connections between people and decades and communities and music and so on. So it's really fun to be able to trace that path. So it didn't, so the sort of explosion of interest in Toronto around the time that James was just describing and in terms of indie rock and of late hip hop. Now people, because of Drake and other people, people think of Toronto as this hip hop place. None of that irks you as an electronic music fan, does it? Like the fact that all this attention is being poured into Toronto. It sounds like, as, as you were saying, that other magazines, international magazines, would list Toronto as an important destination for electronic music. It, it, it is. It still is. <laughs> it, it was and it is, absolutely. So it There's... doesn't bother you that everyone thinks of it as an indie rock city or a hip hop city? Who's everyone? These people. <laughs> 
I'm just do, do you all think of it exclusively as an indie rock or a hip hop town, or do you think about it also as producing all kinds of reggae and R and B and, uh, of course, electronic house, techno, and so on? I mean, that's what's amazing about this city is that there's all kinds of production and talent yeah. in all kinds of different communities. How did you actually become immersed in dance culture in Toronto yourself? Um, well, let's see. Long story short, I, my background is more about punk rock and dance music, dub music. Um, the intersection of dub and, and punk to me is like the rhythms, basically. But what happened to me, like many people, I got taken to a warehouse party <laughs> in uh, later 80s. I mean, the house scene here was really kicking off in the late 80s. It had already kicked off in, obviously, in New York and... Um, in uh, New York, Chicago, Detroit had its techno scene obviously also related to house music, but a lot of that was happening here too, very much born and, and related to those cities, but the, the warehouse scene here in the late 80s into the 90s was really quite amazing, and you had a ton of people, Dino and Terry, Nick Holder, Stickman and so on, producing very, very vibrant. In recent years, it seemed like electronic music and I guess, for lack of a better term, rave culture in this city has been under attack. Uh, it seems like city officials have been going after these kinds of events more than maybe they have others. Do you have any thoughts on that? Am I wrong about that? I don't live in the city. I'm something of a rube. But from what I understand, this is happening. Do, do you feel threatened as someone who represents this culture? <laughs> I wish I was more funny than earnest, but unfortunately, in this context... I also wish I was more funny. <laughs> I, am, uh, I am seriously earnest and earnestly serious. Um, you know, the, the rave scene was massively under attack in the late 90s into the early 2000s. Um, the game really changed at that point. That's also part of why a lot of electronic music in the city moved more into licensed venues, because there was a, a point when the city was cracking down on warehouse parties, on licensed yeah, venues. Yeah. You know, you had to hire security guards, hire the cops, and so on. Um, I've found that that has come and gone in waves. And what's happening now, um, obviously the influence of rave, mu rave music is here, but EDM and rave are two vastly different things. Okay. Oh, so sorry, the, the culture that you represent, you don't feel is being scrutinized <laughs> The same way other cultures? The way that the, the rave scene was scrutinized in the later 90s into early 2000s is a little bit different than what you see now with the massive EDM events and the massive EDM oh, festivals oh, and see. so on. Where okay. I mean, still there has to be a ton of police, but it's also a, a much more... Um, there's a lot more dollars in the industry. There's a lot more investment. In, and there's a different way of... I guess because it's mass culture now, yeah. everybody's really paying attention to it, and so obviously the, the promoters do, and there's a lot more money to be made as well. Yeah. There's an interesting quote in the biographical info about this book. It suggests that then and now, the book is an evocative, timely exploration of both Toronto After Dark and the ways in which nightclubs and social spaces tend to foreshadow gentrification trends. This had not occurred to me before. How do nightclubs and social spaces predict gentrification? Uh, in the same way that art galleries do. I mean, it's, it, it's less about predicting, more about leading the way. I mean, people open creative venues in parts of town where rent's affordable, and then people go to those places, and then more people go to those places, and then those places become popular, rent goes up, and then businesses that have more money move in. So... Um, I mean, we see that now in Toronto with Parkdale, obviously, Ossington, and, you know, for years I was kind of pointing to my area, which is up Davenport Way, and just seeing what's been happening on DuPont lately and, and Geary and so on, it's necessary because 
these spaces need to exist. The, the galleries need to exist. Creative places where people can make more uh, independent experimental music. Those places need to exist. But again, once the audiences find them and the crowds go, um, you know, they become, they take off. Right, yeah. <laughs> Rent goes up and the, the cycle continues. We've kind of found that with this space, the Great Hall. I feel like more people are using this. I've never even heard of this place until a few years ago. Now everyone seems to be using it as like a key... It seems to be like a bit of a cornerstone for a certain culture in the city. Actually, I think I saw Sonic Youth down here. It might have been upstairs. I can't remember, but the fi a fire broke out. You saw Sonic Youth upstairs? Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah Elliot Lefko used to produce oh, right. a, lot, a lot of shows here. Tons and tons of great concerts. Like what era of Sonic Youth do you remember? That would be probably 91-ish. Oh, okay. Wow. So this, like, this building is amazing, and it sounds like you think... These buildings are important. I mean, this isn't a makeshift space. Sometimes it feels that way. But uh, well, at the moment, you know, it's, it's a little bit yeah, different it's than under it has construction. been points. It's true. Uh, there are occasions where music scene veterans. Sometimes we uh, get into a habit of scoffing at the next generation of producers, the next generation of presenters, and I. That's maybe it's healthy. Maybe it's not. You know, maybe we did it right. They're not doing it right. They're doing it their own way. How would you compare what's happening in Toronto's, in your case, in the electronic music scene today to, I don't know, a particularly significant bygone era? Is everything happening today the way you think it could be? Is there stuff that needs to be done? I feel like it would be really pompous to, <laughs> <laughs> to answer that. I mean, I think what, what, what is true is that, you know, every generation has things that they gravitate toward and things that they create and sounds that they create and obviously anything that's created has some relationship to the past and has influences and so on. But I, I, I mean, whenever I hear someone of any age say, it was so much better than my day, you know, yeah. um, it, that's just lazy thinking because there's always some really cool shit happening everywhere all the time. And Toronto is exploding with talent all over the place. And that's why something like Long Winter is so amazing, right? Because it brings together music and art and DJ culture and performance and so on. And I think the more you have places where that can happen, the more vibrant a city can be because we can actually all meet each other and you know, collaborate in different contexts and so on. And that's what certainly is happening with the electronic scene, just like with the rock scene, hip hop scene, anything else. Right. Now you've got this, uh, this book has come out and it's, uh, it's, it seems to be doing well for you. What's coming up next for you? <laughs> the dreaded question. <laughs> you know, I think whenever anybody is uh, between projects, that's the, the, the most frightening question because you go, well, I could do this or that or this, but there's a few things I, I really am uh, looking forward to doing now that there's a bit more time with the website because there's actually, so of the 48 stories that are in the book, um, I mentioned Roxy Blue was written early on, for example, also industry. Um, another early one I wrote was about Twilight Zone, and those were initially like five, 700 word stories. People are waving back there. And um, th you know, I rewrote them, completely expanded them for the book. They're now, okay. you know, they, they got the full then and now 5,000 word treatment. So pieces like that I'm actually going to now be building for the website, which is thenandnowtoronto.com. So there's a lot of kind of um, bringing now where the, the series grew to become the book. Now right. there's a number of things in the book that can be expanded upon and brought to the right. website. Right. And there's a number of other um, projects that people have kind of suggested in relation to the book. Um, some really cool artifacts. I mean, I have to say that, again, this book would not exist had so many people not 
given of their time and their stories and their memories and their photos. And as somebody who's DJed for a long time, it may, really made me realize how crappy I am at keeping photos and flyers and my own mementos. And thankfully, other people are far better at that. And there's a lot of uh, rich material about Toronto's history that thankfully people have shared with me. So I'm hoping to bring more of that forward. Nice. That's great. And now you're DJing later tonight, right? Here? Correct. One until we close upstairs in the main room. You're going to be DJing. So people can go check out DJ D uh, Denise Benson. You can go do that. Uh, Alongside DJ. Dougie Boom. I have a question. Oh. Denise, I have a question about your record collection. <laughs> yes, James. It's still not organized. I was going to say, if I were to pick a random 12-inch from 1998 and say, Denise, go find it, how long do you think it would take you? If you wanted a specific one, or you just said to me 1998? No, 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 I know you could get me something from 1990. No, I, a specific one. What is your record collection like? I don't know anything about this. <laughs> it's large, and it's basically what happens over the years, unless you're somebody who's more meticulous than I am, is you, you, know, you bring your records home from clubs, and then you put them on shelves, and they become kind of sections that represent different clubs. I'll pull out things, and I'll be like, oh, I was playing all of this when I was at Catch-22, or Boom Boom Room, or whatever the case is, so... It depends, James. It, it might take me five minutes. If you said to me, where's Tricky Disco or some other warp stuff, I could find you that right away. Right. Yeah. What, so can, we, you... can we get a figure? Like, do you have any idea how many records you have, roughly? Um, I was wise enough to get rid of a lot. In my last move, I'd say at this point, eight to 10,000. You have eight to 10,000 records. Wow, that's amazing. You, you really got rid of a lot. Wow. Where it used you... to be at least twice that size. Wow, that's amazing. Well, geez. Will you be playing any of them from your personal collection tonight? <laughs> I brought CDs tonight, many of which have tracks that I do have on okay. vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> People can uh, follow, at, uh, follow Denise on Twitter, at DJ Denise Benson, and the website for the book is thenandnowtoronto.com. There are copies of this book for sale upstairs, so we hope you'll pick them up. How about a round of applause for Denise Benson? <laughs> All right, we're going to uh, take a quick, quick break, and then we have stand-up comedy by the very, very funny Matt O'Brien. So stay where you are. Matt O'Brien. Denise, thank you so much for being on the show. Gaggle of Guelphites have recorded a tribute to the recently reunited group Ween. Guelph Ween Satan consists of 18 home-recorded songs spanning Ween's entire catalog, including contributions by Gregory Pepper and his problems, Nick Zubek, Jesse Bell Smith, Matt Manoogian, Jenny Omnicord, Tyson, and many more. Limited edition cassettes with artwork by Drawn and Quarterly Comics star Mark Bell are for sale at Royal Cat Records in Guelph, and you can stream or download this compilation for free at guelphweensatan.bandcamp.com. So go, listen to Guelph Ween Satan. Not now, after this podcast. After the podcast, go listen to Guelph Ween Satan and see what all of the fuss is about.
Welcome back to Long Night. Thank you very much for sticking around, everybody. Our, I just want to mention that our next episode will air here at the Great Hall on January 16th, and our scheduled guests thus far are Canadian music legend and former Crash Vegas singer Michelle McAdory, and yeah, also the comedy team known as Deadpan PowerPoint, and more. So come back for that show. Oh, also a reminder that this show is being recorded for a podcast. You guys are all on a podcast. How does that feel? Yeah. The Creative Control with Vishkana podcast, which you can learn more about at vishkana.com. And uh, yeah, that's coming up. That This will be up soon if all goes well. Our next guest is an award-winning comedian who hosts Toronto's Subway talk show. How about a warm ovation for Matt O'Brien, ladies and gentlemen. Matt O'Brien. Hey, how you doing? What's happening? What a night. What a crazy night. Woo, that intro. That's my song. That's the song I asked for. How you guys feel? You guys feel good? Yeah. yeah. Did you guys see that couple aggressively making out right there? That was crazy. They were fucking going for it. <laughs> Just didn't care that any, there was a talk show in front of them. That's the, what a weird place to do. They weren't, they're not there anymore. Or they could be laying down. I don't know. They were definitely... Grade 10, dry humping like crazy, and it was, uh, where else are you gonna do it, right? This is the perfect basement for it. A uh, basement that looks like somebody for sure tried to make a Frankenstein in. It's 100%. Doesn't this basement look like Adrian Brody should be learning surgery in the 1800s, you know what I mean? Um, you guys excited to go home for Christmas and uh, get woken up by your dad emptying the dishwasher? Whoa, I can't wait. Can't wait till every fucking seven in the morning. Is there certain, do you just hurt, hit a certain age as a man where you just like empty the dishwasher with only your fists? I don't understand why it's so loud. That or I'm gonna get woken up by him yelling at the cat to get down from something. That's very exciting. It, I don't, it doesn't help that the cat's name is Stuart too. It has a human name. So every, it's either the dishwasher or Stuart, get down from there! Get down from there, Stuart! So it just sounds like a man named Stuart is loose in her house every morning. That's great. I like, I like being in Toronto. I live right around the block. This is convenient and fun. I tour around the country. I swear to God this happens more often than not. It's like somebody will come up to me and they'll find out I'm from Toronto. They're like, hey, you're from Toronto, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, do you ever go to the CN Tower? And I'm like, no, never. Who lives here and goes to the CN Tower? You know what I mean? Like, well, first of all, why, why are you going? Are you just like, there it is, like just to look at it. Like the only, like, lo I think any local would agree with this. Like the only time you look at the CN Tower is that, like if you're really drunk and you want to figure out what part of town you're in. That's the only time you ever like, you measure it out. You're like, ah shit, I'm in Aurelia. I am too far away. Why did I get, I, also I think our city is getting too big too because uh, I was walking down Queen Street the other day and I saw a, a man comfortably unicycling not getting punched in the face. Isn't that crazy? Like, our city's so big, and it's so many people that there's a guy out there like, well, off to work. And then unicycling off to work. Get out of here. And the, the best part is, is it like, everybody in the block, like, like audibly scoffed and groaned. Like, it, it like ruined a whole block. Just one man unicycling, everyone's like, oh, get out of here. What if tourists see this? They're at least lowering property values. You gotta realize that. If you're unicycling around, people are like, well, the rent's a lot cheaper now. <laughs> Just went from 800 to 400. 
that's good. Living it. Um, I was eating a Krispy Kreme donut the other day, and my girlfriend is like, you know, that's equivalent to one Big Mac. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't give a care. That's how someone that eats a Krispy Kreme would talk. I don't give a care. Get out of here. And then, like, I, was, I was reading another article about Cobb salads, and they're like, do you, do you think it's healthy? It's equivalent to three Big Macs. Like, Big Macs is the go-to shitty food measurement for everything. Like, where does it stop? Breaking up with your girlfriend, 800 Big Macs. Global warming, a million Big Macs. Right, stubbing your toe, two billion Big Macs. Like, I feel like if aliens are intercepting our, conver like, our conversations, like they're monitoring our communications to find our weaknesses, like they're, they're like Big Macs. We're gonna, we're gonna invade in giant floating Big Macs, 100%. You're right, that joke's too new to do tonight. <laughs> you see how it petered off at the end? Um, am I checking notes on a late night set? Wow, this is how I do Letterman. <laughs> Can you imagine coming out and checking your phone? What, uh, what the fuck else are we talking about? Um, I donated blood the other day because I felt guilty about being a comedian. <laughs> I woke up at noon for the eighth day in the row and started playing video games and I was like, I should donate my fluids. <laughs> That's the easiest way to do it. I was like, that, that'll, that'll clear the slate, right? Get my fluids, my, my one fluid out there. Right? Um, and I, I went to go donate, and uh, I don't know if you donated recently, but there's a que you got to answer all these questions, and the last question is, I swear to God, it says, have you handled a monkey in the last seven days? And I want to say yes someday, so bad. I want to show up in like a dirty safari hat and a tank top, be like, well, <laughs> I gotta go. You got me, I've been hit. Like, first of all, what person is like covered in monkeys and like, get off me, I gotta donate blood! Like, there's nobody. What, and also, like, what are the people that, like, take care of monkeys at the zoo? Are we, are we, are they, like, the biggest pieces of shit? Because we're like, they're never, they'll never donate their blood. They've made a choice. They choose monkeys over humans. I, uh, I, yeah, living in the cities uh, is, is different because I grew up on a farm. Anyone grew up on a farm here? Really? Basement of uh, Great Hall, Toronto, downtown? Nobody? <laughs> I grew up on a farm, and, uh... <laughs> Wait, that'll look really good. Wait, do one of these, hold on. Like, like I'm like. That's me bombing, <laughs> for sure. They'd be like, he almost had the crowd with that point and then lost him. What happened? But I grew up on a farm and uh, any other farm people will agree with this. My number one fear growing up on a farm, every other farm person's number one fear, UFOs, 100%. Because if movies have taught me anything, uh, UFOs fuck around with farm people first, before city people. That's everything, every movie I've ever seen is some kid in his overalls just like in a cornfield like, Pa, was that you? Is that you, Pa? It's never Pa, right? You never see a UFO movie start with like, they never suck a guy out of his basement apartment window, just like, ugh, this is fine. <laughs> I used to be very afraid of ghosts as well, which, uh, you know, I lived in a creaky old farmhouse and uh, I'm also afraid of ghosts in this building as well. Like, look at all these skinned ghosts. <laughs> some ghost hunter, some professional ghost hunter. I used to be really afraid of ghosts, which I think is a, a I, first of all, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts 100%. Uh, I know that it's, some people do. I don't. Which is always, I can always confidently say I don't believe in ghosts when, like, people are around me. 
Like, when I'm alone, I believe in ghosts 100%. Like, that's when they're the most scary, right? Because I just have too many questions about ghosts. Like, if they're, if they're real, like, in my apartment building, like, if there's a ghost in one apartment, can it drift through to the other ones? Like, what is the rule with, like, do you have to haunt a house? Like, what if you die in a tent? Do you have to haunt that tent? Like, they just get rolled up for eight months of the year, and you're just haunting a rolled up piece of nylon in the basement? I don't know what the rules are. And like, I didn't, like, because ghosts aren't scary when you're with people, right? Like, it's, it's like when you're with your friends, you're telling ghost stories, you're like, yeah, fuck, I don't care, Tell, fuck dead people, who cares? And then you go home that night and you're like, I shouldn't have said fuck dead people. Why didn't I say that? You guys have been great. Thank you guys very much. I'm Matt O'Brien. Have a great night, everybody. Late night talk show. Matt O'Brien. Hi. Hi, Matt. Thanks for doing the show. Thanks for having me. Have a seat. Is this the right mic? Do no, no, you one? can use, yeah. Very funny. Hi, how are you? See ya. These guys really want to play that song. Good job, bicycles. That's great. You guys are great. You guys are really playing it. Matt, that's that was very funny. Thank you for being oh, on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for indulging that new joke I tried. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do on late night shows, right? Now, you and I met under interesting circumstances. We were both at Much Music for an audition. Yes. Yes. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. It we was were... kind of weird. They didn't tell us anything. We just showed up, and they said they wanted to put us on TV. And then, and then we did you? How did you do? Did you do okay in your audition? I thought it was okay. Yeah, it was weird. It was wasn't that the revamp of Video on Trial? Yeah, or no? It was some weird culture show where we just made fun of stuff. Yeah. I didn't really. I feel like enjoy we're doing it. a show in a bus station right now. Yeah. People are. There's just catch. people like traveling. Like we're in Union Station right now. They're like, I gotta get to work. Can we get the fucking show out of the way? Now, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because you are technically an arch rival. That's true. You have your own talk show. It's me, you, and Frank D'Angelo. <laughs> if you know who that is, congratulations. You watch Rogers at 2 a.m. What is the Subway talk show for people who haven't uh, seen it? Um, I, me and my one friend with a camera thought it'd be funny if, we, if I hosted a late night talk show on, on a busy subway. And so I treat the subway like a late night talk show. I wear a blazer and I hold a mug and I interview comedians that get on at different stops. <laughs> so, and uh, so far the TTC doesn't care and I don't know why. <laughs> I've had workers get on and see it and they're, I'm like, can you keep it down? We're filming. And they're like, uh, okay. <laughs> Like, cause I don't, I feel like TTC workers, they're individual. Like they don't know who's in charge. They're like, did Pam say this is fine? I actually called the, the line too. And I was like, I was like, hey, do I need a permit to host a late night talk show on one of your subway cars? And they were like, I don't know any of the words that you just said right now. No one's ever called with that. And they're like, just don't be weird. Like don't disrupt people. And I'm like, it's fine. I won't. So you're in a situation where you and your guests know what's going on. What are the onlookers, the other commuters? What do they think of this? Uh... Oh, they it's think great. it's exciting. There was a guy on, on shrooms, and he thought that was very confusing. He was from Australia, and he was clearly on mushrooms, and he was like, is this Canada? <laughs> is this how you guys ride the subway? Just interviewing on a late-night talk show? It was, must be very... I've had, like, uh, there's, uh, like a, there was a woman with her groceries, and like, yeah. she was beside them. We were interacting with her, and she was like, just put me in the credits. And I was like, oh, well, sure, whatever. And then uh, the latest episode, spoiler alert, a homeless guy pisses behind us. On the subway, oh yeah. It was uh, very, you can't write that stuff. Was it you? Yeah, it was me. It wasn't you. <laughs> I like how his friend didn't even yes and him on that. Yeah, that was... It wasn't you! <laughs> Don't try to be funny! I didn't have to respond to that heckle. That's the first time it's ever happened. Somebody heckled, somebody decided, like, shut up! 
This is not for you! I'm sure you could piss very well on the subway. I mean, yeah. Let's go. Uh, we'll, I'll see you in the alley. We'll see you, see what you in the alley. What am I doing? <laughs> you can audition to piss on my show. <laughs> what, what, what is coming up next for you? Oh, boy. Um, well, you, you, I heard you just got... Uh, you're working with Much. You're a Much creator, I'm right? A Much creator, yes. What does I'm, that mean? It means I have access to their green screen room. <laughs> and I just... I, I basically have... Their, being a Much creator is like you... They're like, hey, uh, you want to make YouTube videos? Use all of our stuff. Yeah. So I just have access to their studios uh, and all that stuff. Have you and made something yet? I've made it, yeah, a bunch of things. Uh, I made this one video with Rodrigo Stoll, who's a sketch guy. I don't know if you know uh -huh. this. Yeah. But it's two naked guys colliding in space. Uh, <laughs> you have to watch it. That's actually pretty much it. Um, <laughs> their butts touch in space. Uh, yeah, I'm just really using their stuff uh, and making stuff that doesn't make any sense. Which I can see is kind of pissing them off. Can so. you can you use their stuff for the subway talk show? Yeah. Would that be like? What if you get busted finally? Would they be on the hook as well? Yeah, but wouldn't that make good uh, press? Exclaim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I'm gonna keep right. using their stuff and see see what happens. And the how often does the subway talk show air? Oh, air <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, I, every couple of months, I'm filming two. I'm filming two episodes on Tuesday night. So if you ride the subway, you're on a, a live set. So act appropriately. <laughs> uh, my guests will be Steph Tolev and uh, Television's Ennis Esmer. Oh, nice. Yeah. So and then we'll, we'll be doing the somewhere on good, this, good for you. on the Bluer line. Ride the Bluer line, and you could be in the live studio audience for three dollars. And do you have any other? Do you have any other stand-up shows coming up? Um, I'll be doing uh, Yuck Yucks Vaughn, New Year's yeah. Eve. They said, do you want to do Massey Hall or Yuck Yucks Vaughn? <laughs> and I said, bring on the Vaughn, baby. Let's go talk about a bunch of people that live near Canada's Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow Matt on Twitter, at Matt underscore O'Brien, and you can follow Subway Talk Show on Twitter as well. How about a hand for Matt O'Brien, everybody? Very funny. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for being on the show. All right, uh, that's the show. You can follow me on Twitter, at Vishkana, or you can follow the podcast, at Vishcreative, creative with a K, and uh, Creative Control with Vishkana is on Facebook. Long Winter on Twitter is at LongWinterTO. James is at Exclaim Editor. The Bicycles are at The Bicycles. You guys are on Twitter, too, I'm sure. Share your information among yourselves. Thank you very much for joining us here in 2015. We will see you in the new year. Good night, everybody! Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.